Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to another episode of On Air with Aaron. We got actually a lot to talk about in this one because there were quite a few big things news-wise, specifically with the gaming industry that happened in this past week that I definitely want to talk about because we, uh, we had some big pieces of news, which is awesome. Just a little brief overview. I'm going to be talking about um, things that we can see from E3 when it's going to happen in June. Some information was released about that. Also, Genshin Impact version 1.5 was announced and confirmed, and the details regarding that update have been released. So we'll be talking about that quite a bit. Then we'll be talking about the Call of Duty Season 3 roadmap that was released and everything that's included in that. And then to end off the episode, I will be doing sort of a mixture rant or rave slash what to expect from a new game with Oxenfree. Uh, I'm not sure if I've talked about it or brought it up on this podcast, <clears throat> but Oxenfree is one of my favorite games of all time, and in the Nintendo Indie World that happened this week, they announced Oxenfree 2 seemingly out of nowhere, which is amazing, and I can't wait to talk about it. But before we start with the news, I just wanted to talk about myself for a second. Uh, I just passed 8,000 followers on TikTok a few days ago. I think I'm at like 8,300 or something right now. I had another video pass a million views, and I, I think it's been going pretty well on TikTok. Um, views have definitely been great. People commenting, people following and staying by for the content has always been good. So I'm really excited. I'm planning on doing a 10,000 follower special stream on my YouTube channel at Argon Games. Planning on doing something with that. And since I mostly do anime memes and such over on TikTok, I'm planning on maybe playing a new anime game. I know that there's a Demon Slayer game coming out sometime this year. If it comes out in the summer or possibly even late spring, I might be able to play that. But we're going to have to see. Maybe if it's going to come out later, I could do like a 15,000 uh, follower special. Just because I, I do want to do that. And, and I think it'd be a lot of fun. So stay tuned for that. And go check me out on TikTok if you haven't already. Uh, at It's Argon Games. We've been posting some pretty good stuff on there. Uh, some pretty good series and, and overall funny videos. So yeah, go, go give me a follow. And be sure to say that you found me from the podcast. I'd love to hear it. But anyway, with that being said, let's dive right into the news for this week. So as I had mentioned, E3 is set to happen in June, and the events and lineup, at least, you know, primarily, this isn't all finalized, but they released sort of the, uh, the roadmap of what to expect from E3 this year. So let's take a look at that, shall we? So the E3 2021 schedule is going to go as follows. On June 12th is going to be the Ubisoft Forward. Now that's going to take place from noon Pacific Standard Time to 3 p.m. Uh, or sorry, it'll take place at noon Pacific Standard Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, so it doesn't say how long it will last. Um, but of course, they were not at E3 last year uh, because no one was. <laughs> um so they had some time to kind of just sit in the oven and, and release some information. So we are definitely set to expect things like Far Cry 6, um, a VR-based Assassin's Creed, and Splinter Cell projects. So these could be talked about, discussed, gameplay footage, all of that stuff could be released on June 12th for the Ubisoft Forward. 
Next, on June 13th, the next day, we are going to have the PC Gaming Show and Future Game Show with uh, times to be determined. So this will be hosted by uh, PC Gamer and Games Radar, and they will be primarily a talk show where they're going to be discussing things that are going on, variety of games, uh, including indie titles, which will be awesome. Love love me some indie titles. Um, pretty typical for for that, just over like a talk, things that are becoming to PC games, all that good stuff. And those are pretty much it for the confirmed dates. We have June 12th and June 13th with two events. Now that's it for now. Um, there are some to-be-determined dates that will happen at E3, but they just don't know exactly when. So we have the Summer Game Fest and Day of the Devs. We are going to have some more unscheduled events, meaning we don't know exactly when that's going to be. So we have the Xbox and Nintendo events that will be taking place, but nothing really has been released about them. So Microsoft is probably going to be coming in strong uh, due to between the last E3, even though there wasn't one, in between that time frame of the last E3 to now, they released a new console. So... Bethesda being a part of Xbox Game Studio could be big because they could release some titles along with that and it might be even bigger for Xbox to do so because PlayStation and Sony aren't going to be there. So they could definitely get an edge on them and show off some really good things such as Halo Infinite. Who knows? Or other things that Bethesda might be working on specifically for Xbox. And I think this is going to be a really telling presentation because up until now, it was kind of it was kind of undecided whether or not new Bethesda games are going to be Xbox exclusives, which would definitely change the game of uh, of the quote unquote console wars. Because PlayStation, of course, as I've mentioned, has a lot more exclusives than Xbox and a lot bigger exclusives than Xbox. But if they announce something during this E3 where Bethesda games will now become Xbox exclusives. I think we're set to see a pretty big and qu questionable precedence for uh, exclusives and stuff in the future. Nintendo up next. Um, so they didn't release a direct last year, which I mean, the last time they released a direct was a few months back. I think it was a February direct, uh, which detailed some pretty uh, some pretty good stuff. Um, but apart from that, their last direct was September, I think it was like September 4th, 2019. So it was like a year and a half later they released a direct. So it seems kind of interesting that they hadn't really released anything. But they are confirmed for E3 2021, which is good. Uh, the last Smash announcement, last Smash character announcement was in February. So I think it's very likely that we're going to get an announcement either before or at E3 about who the next DLC fighter is going to be. Whether or not they're going to be released that same day is a completely different discussion because they usually have been following the format. Like Sephiroth was announced at the Game Awards, which was um, in December. He was announced there and then dropped like the next day or that same day. I don't remember exactly the, the timing of it, but he was released very soon after that announcement. And three months later, they announced Pyra and Mithra for smash. So that's pretty big. And 
if they waiting about four months for June, that would that would make a lot of sense for them to announce the next character. Now, who knows? They might announce it before and then show gameplay footage at E3. I don't know. Maybe they'll announce both of the final characters. That would be certainly interesting for the uh, the roadmap of how things would play out. But again, who knows? They don't really know anything. Uh, it's, it's speculated that they're going to talk about um, Metroid Prime 4 and Bayonetta 3, though who knows if that's ever going to happen because those have been kind of teased for a while, getting the, uh, getting the Final Fantasy VII remake treatment, so to say. But I think we're going to get some pretty big updates from both Xbox and Nintendo. Nintendo, I'll be watching a lot more closely because, obviously, I don't have an Xbox anymore. I'll be curious to see what they're going to do because I think it'll be an interesting point of discussion for what Xbox will do. But Nintendo, I'm really excited for. Um, on a personal note, the only thing that I really want to see from E3 <laughs> is news about Hollow Knight Silksong. I don't know when that's going to take place, though it would probably be... Because people would think it'd be announced during Nintendo. Like, people were wanting it during the Nintendo indie world that came out a couple days ago. But honestly, I think people, for some reason, just associate Hollow Knight and uh, sort of Team Cherry with Nintendo, which kind of doesn't make sense because Hollow Knight didn't even first come out on the Switch. So I feel that if it's going to be released, the earliest it's going to be released is on the, uh, the PC gaming show and future game show where they talk about... Um, where they talk about indie games and pretty much anything that has to deal with indie development and indie studios during uh, during E3, I think is where we're going to see possibly an announcement for Silksong. Um, that's that's just me wishful thinking. Um, like I'm really excited because if that game could come out during summer, oh my gosh, I would be incredibly happy. But um, regardless, sorry, I took a sip of water and it kind of just made a weird slurping sound. But let's talk about what's not going to be at E3. Uh, PlayStation and EA will not be at E3. Now, I'm not going to say this is necessarily surprising. Um, because PlayStation is kind of doing their own thing. Uh, I mean, they have a lot of games, um, you know, of course, in common with other platforms. You know, Call of Duty, uh, they have a lot of just basic games that can be played on there. I mean, Hollow Knight, I'm pretty sure, is on the PlayStation. It was like it was like a free game of the month or something. You know, like A bunch of these games are included, but their big thing is their own exclusives and their own studio. And their, like, state of play thing. They might come out with one around the time of E3, but they were not listed amongst the, uh, the partners during this year's E3. So who knows exactly what that's going to entail. And then EA is just breaking away from E3, doing their uh, their own EA Play sort of thing. So we'll see what they're going to be doing. Um, overall, I'm excited for E3 this year. Obviously, I'm, I'm a little less because I was actually planning on going to E3 this year. Because um, I remember uh, like when I watched it in 2019, I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I was thinking about it in 2020, and then obviously it got canceled. And then 2021, I was like, yeah, that'd be kind of cool to go down there or to, to go to an E3 and, and try to try to go and visit and see some things. But, of course, that's not possible. Uh, but regardless, be on the lookout because I will be talking about E3 and things that get announced during June. That is four months away, so, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't hedge any bets on that, um, like, coming out any soon because it will be coming out in about four months when I talk about it, so... But uh, stay by the channel to, to hear my opinions on, on E3 
in the later months. So that's about it for the E3 discussion. Quite a lot of things to talk about, but now let's talk about something that has a lot to talk about. Genshin Impact version 1.5 brings new big changes to the game. So, I'm not sure if I mentioned it here, but I sort of took a, a, a decently long break from Genshin Impact. Uh, I was kind of in a weird state because I was playing it heavily from, like, October to December. Uh, like, even to the beginning of January. And I was getting really excited for when my, I was getting my PS5 because my... Laptop runs Genshin Impact really poorly. I have to run it on like lower settings, and I want to be able to enjoy the game at the best possible settings. Um, and I was really excited for the PS5 because it's a really strong console. But unfortunately, you can't use a MiHoYo account on a PlayStation because PlayStation has its own PSN ID and stuff like that. So you can't even sign out on the PlayStation. So I had to create a whole new account for that. Um, so I kind of was just... I was really disappointed. I started the new account. I got to like AR 18 or something. And I just didn't want to have to grind two different accounts. So I sort of took a break from Genshin. Cause I was like, eh, I don't really have an interest in playing. So I took about a two month long break. I'd say I would play here and there, but it wouldn't be for any reasonable amount of time. It would be very, very short. Um, but I took a break, but now I, I sort of came back. I don't play it as much as I used to. I, I still try to play it every single day uh, for about an hour or so. But Genshin Impact 1.5 is probably going to change my involvement for the better <laughs> or for the worse, depending on the way you look at it. Uh, but they're adding in quite a few new things. So there's going to be a new boss. I believe it's pronounced Azdaha. It's like a uh, it's like the Lord of the Bishops. They're going to be adding new playable characters, uh, Eula, a Cryo Claymore user, believe she's a 5-star, and Yanfei, who is a 4-star Pyro Catalyst user. Uh, they're, they're also adding in these new, like, smaller bosses. Uh, there is a Cryo Hypostasis that they showed, and then there was sort of this, like, Electro Mage sort of thing. It kind of looked like Child um, when he was in, like, the Delusion Unleashed, whatever it's called, um, form. Kind of looked like that, but obviously I believe it's going to be a bit weaker than Child. Uh, they're adding in these new items called the Serenity Pot, which will allow sort of like a little mini Animal Crossing sort of thing. Uh, there's going to be farming involved in that. I remember reading uh, you can place houses down. You can do little sort of missions inside that world to gain resources and materials to build up uh, different houses and different things. Um, and there's going to be some new artifacts released. Uh, the sets are the Tenacity of the Millileth, and then there's going to be the Pale Flame. Now, let me zoom into my screen just so I can read the artifacts a bit more closely because the picture is small. So the Tenacity of the Millileth is the two-piece the two piece set will give HP plus 20%, and the four-piece set is when an elemental skill hits an opponent, the attack of all nearby party members is increased by 20%, and shield strength is increased by 30% for 3 seconds. This effect can be triggered once every 0.5 seconds, and this effect can still be triggered even when the character who is using this artifact set is not on the field. So basically, this set is going to be more for your sort of support characters. Um, it'll be used for uh, probably Zhongli. Probably going to be a really good one. Uh, other characters with shield strength, Noel. 
uh, you know, ca characters like that. Though I think this could be this could be used um, for uh, like Barbara, for example, because it increases HP. And when an elemental skill hits an opponent, the attack of the party members is increased by 20%. You can pair that with the if she has the tales of the thrilling dragon slayers or or the thrilling tales of dragon slayers, uh, which like increases um, like the next party member's attack anyway. I think this could be really good. You won't get the shield strength buff, uh, which is a little unfortunate, but I do think you'd be able to do some some good things, so uh, be on the lookout for builds with that. And, and also, the artifacts look pretty sick. And the next one is Pale Flame. The two-piece set increases physical damage by 25%. The four-piece, when an elemental skill hits an opponent, attack is increased by 9% for 7 seconds. This effect stacks up to two times and can be triggered once every 0.3 seconds. Once two stacks are reached, the two set effect is increased by 100%. So this is going to be for a DPS character. This isn't going to be for a support because it affects the character who the set is on. So this set could be really good for, uh, for characters like um, Rosaria and Razor, who rely a lot on their physical damage, because they can apply certain damage, like Rosaria can apply cryo damage, um, but it's her skill, and then her elemental burst just kind of deals constant cryo damage, but if you want her as a DPS, then you can build her as a straight-up physical damage bonus, and this set would very much be good with her, because her elemental skill is really good, uh, so whenever you hit it, your attack is increased for 7 seconds by 9%, and uh, it can stack up to two times. And not to mention, if you pair it with, uh, once the two stacks are enabled, then it's going to increase your two set, so the physical damage bonus, to 125%, which is nuts. You're going to be dealing a lot of damage with that. Uh, so it'd be good for Razor, other physical damage bonus characters, and I think can have a lot of really good builds along with it. So that's a little bit of a, a brief-ish overview um, the new artifacts look kind of crazy, I'm not going to lie. I don't know if they're going to be necessarily game-breaking, but I do think under the right context, they're going to be really good for certain characters. So let's talk about the things that I mentioned a little bit more in depth. So we have the new boss, which is like Azdaha, and it looks like it's going to be a, a weekly boss sort of deal. It'll be played into with the, uh, the main story quests, like, well, you have to go and defeat him. And then afterwards, it'll become like a, uh, a weekly boss, it looks like. Sort of how they've done with with Child, with how they did with um, uh, Boreas, I think, the, the wolf boss. How they did with Storm Terror, pretty much that same thing. Which means we're going to be getting a fourth weekly boss to be doing. Which is is really cool. It, it's, super, it's super nice how... They keep adding these uh, these new gameplay things into Genshin, and it seems that there's going to be a lot more new life breathed into this game. And this boss, I obviously don't know where it's going to be located. It's going to be like underground somewhere, from what it looks like. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly where that's going to be, but it does look like it'll be it'll be a really good one. I, I feel that it's going to be very advantageous to use shield characters just because with the the cinematic that they were showing like he was being contained by shields meaning that he's probably weak against shields probably the idea they're going with 
So he could be uh, he could be really good. Whether or not it's going to be a different sort of looking boss like the uh, the, the the Primo Geo Geovishaps, I don't even know how to pronounce that word to be completely honest. Geovishaps, I, I guess those things uh, where they can kind of change colors. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm excited. I think I think it looks like a really fun like weekly boss. The only concern that I have is you know it's going to be of course 60 resin to do it. And then you're gonna have four of them to complete the weekly quests, but it'll be good if you if you save up the resin. And who knows, maybe, maybe they'll increase the resin amount. I highly doubt they will, but a man can hope. I personally would want them to ump, to bump it to 180, and then I'd be totally fine because then you could do three weekly bosses like in a row, and then you're fine. Because right now, if you want to do the three weekly bosses, you have to do two, and then either wait until the other one's charged or just burn a fragile resin, which is kind of annoying. Uh, but regardless, that's about it for, for Azdaha. There's not really much to, to go off of, at least right now. Uh, but let's move on to the playable characters. So, of course, a lot of these characters that they get announced, people will already know, at least. Uh, at least more of the, uh, the hardcore, everyday fans of this game. Because this stuff gets leaked, like, every four seconds. I'm not gonna lie. Um... Eula was announced or leaked a few months back. I remember people were making memes about her being Byleth, um, of course, from Fire Emblem. And then Yanfei, I remember also being leaked. There were a lot of designs that were sort of shown to the uh, the public by some source. Uh, but Eula is a five-star Cryo Claymore user. And Yanfei is a four-star Catalyst Pyro user. So... This could be very interesting because they added in that the Cryo set in the Dragon Spine update, and they just added in a Cryo four star character. So I kind of I kind of wonder how Eula is gonna play out. The design for Eula looks really nice. It, it's a very good design, uh, and then Yanfei also looks really interesting. I think she's I think she's like a she's like a lawyer or something. I don't know what she is, but her move names and her her outfit and sort of just the way she was talking, she's she's something in a more like legal sense. It looks like I'm not entirely sure, uh, but these characters look like they're going to be fun. Uh, whether or not they're going to be incredible with the meta, who knows? Because uh, I'm not sure if Eula is going to be dealing like cryo damage or if she's doing physical damage. I have a feeling she'll probably be dealing physical damage because of the pale flame set that's coming out i really think they're gonna try and uh you know have it be like oh they're gonna release a character along with a set in sort of uh in like a regard where you can build them along with the the, the set that you get that is possible they didn't do that for dragon spine though uh because they they released the uh, the cryo and the hydro so it's all speculation up at uh at this point they also added in the new smaller bosses, the Cryo Hypostasis and the Electro Mage sort of thing. Uh, the Cryo Hypostasis, I think, is just going to be typical to just how the Hypostasis play out, have its own unique moves and its uh, unique uh, sort of party setup that you're going to need. And then the Electro Mage, I don't think anything else really was discussed about that. Um, you know, I don't think anything else was really discussed about that. But it just kind of looked like another boss that you can sort of fight. Which which seems kind of interesting that they're going with Electro. I'm not sure. 
because they already have the the electro hypostasis you can already get some like electro based things by fighting child uh so maybe this is just like another enemy that you'll fight during the story and that's about it uh who knows though but I think these smaller bosses are going to be a lot of fun because I definitely want them to come out with more bosses that um, that you can uh, you can fight to get certain items because it's fun fighting the 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 Regis vines and whatnot. But it would kind of be fun. It's like oh I need to go level up my cryo character. I want to go fight either the Regis vine or I can go fight the. Uh, or I can go fight the hypostasis. And you can swap back and forth between them. Because if you're grinding um, like a cryo character, then you have to go and then like spawn far away, wait, or go do something else, and then go back to the Regis Vine. Where it's like you could just kind of hop back and forth back and forth between the two. And you could just use up your resin, do that. I think they need to start doing that. And if they're doing that for this this Electro one, I think that's kind of I think that's kind of cool. I think it's interesting, but I'm also kind of confused why they're doing Electro. I just, for some reason, I'm just thinking that the first one they do is Pyro. <laughs> I don't know. That's just kind of my thing, since Pyro is, at least from what I remember, still the meta of this game. Electro is still really good as well, but I, I think they'd—I would think that they would do something with Pyro, but maybe that's going to come in the future. Who knows? One of the biggest things, though, is the Serenity Pot. I love this thing so much, and it's not even out yet. I love it so much. Fans have been asking for a, uh, a sort of housing option in Genshin Impact for a very long time. Like, I remember people were talking about it. Uh, you know, hey, give us a house. Let us do something. Just, like, let us, let us explore more of this game and just kind of have a little party, have a little house. This will be fun. And they're finally answering those prayers of the fans. So, from what it looks like, there is a developer discussion about it that I'm going to open up in a browser. Because they answered a lot of questions and I want to make sure that I relay the proper information. So, just a brief overview for it. The Serenity Pot is from the story, like the main stories. There was an old woman who you could like go inside of her teapot. And there was like this whole world inside there. You had to go and defeat enemies, clean it out, and you could talk to her. But now there's an option to have your own teapot to build your own sort of house and environment in. You can do things like defeat enemies in there to gather resources and get certain XP to build things in your world. Uh, such as houses, different landscape, different um, sort of buildings i guess you could call them not necessarily buildings but objects and uh furniture i guess uh they had things like like stalls where they had fruit um there's gonna be farming involved in there uh, there's gonna be different pieces of architecture and landscape that you can do and it looks a lot of fun to be completely honest and it looks like there's gonna be sort of a mini game prop hunt sort of thing which i mean come on who doesn't love a good prop hunt uh and I think one of the biggest things that they showed from the trailer and they later did answer in the uh, sort of developer Q&A is it looks like you can place your characters there and just kind of see them. Which, that's not even something that I thought about, but I love so much. Because I obviously played Genshin very heavily, so I got a lot of different characters. 
And unfortunately, with the way that Genshin eats up your time and the way that you have to grind a specific character to get them to a high level, it's really not practical to have all of your characters being used or have them at a high level. You know, for example, I really liked Beto. I really liked her overall playout. Uh, I thought her, her skills, her attacks, her burst, I thought they were all really cool. But I already had characters that did the thing that she did, and I didn't really feel like spending the time to, to build her up. Same with Ningguang. I think she's really cool character in design. I didn't really like her uh, playout, and in order to get her to be like a full-on DPS, you have to grind a lot of things while I was already putting that on a specific character. So there's a lot of characters in there that I really like them, but I just don't use them because they're like 30 levels below the enemies that I fight. So having them be able to be placed and just kind of roam around your teapot, I think makes for a really good addition to the game. So you can actually see these characters as opposed to just seeing them in your character list. So let's go and look into the Sinistee pot, or sorry, Sinistee. I don't know if I if I said that before. That's that's a Pokemon. Um, Serenity. That's that's the one. Uh, so so let's answer. So let's look at some of the questions that were answered. So someone asked, how can I obtain materials and or furnishings? So you can cut down trees, uh, collect ore and items into that. Uh, so like you can obtain wood, making furnishings by cutting down trees. Uh, or you can increase your Teapot Spirit Trust rank or redeem them at the Realm Depot or Teapot Traveling Salesman. It looks like there's going to be a lot of different options to obtain these materials and furnishings inside of the pot. So it looks like it's going to be its own separate world inside of this pot. And uh, the next question is, uh, can I grow vegetables or flowers in Serenity Pot? And they answered yes. Not right now. It seems it's going to be sort of added in later on because they said it's, it's rather complex. So it's not going to be available in 1.5, but it will be later on. So the next question, which does confirm what I was saying, uh, it's this is can characters that I own be stationed in my abode? And they said that in 1.6, the characters owned by travelers can also be stationed in Serenity Pot. So it doesn't look like you're going to be able to do it in 1.5, but you will be able to do it. They do know that it is something that players want. So whenever 1.6 comes is where we're going to be seeing that. Typically what they do is they have two character banners in like per version update and then they come out with the new update. So it's probably going to happen in about a month and a half from now. So sometime in June, we're probably going to see uh, the character inclusion for the uh, Serenity pot. So that's about that for the uh, that, that specific teapot section. I think this is an incredible update. I really think it's going to be great. I think it's going to add a lot to the game. I think it's going to bring a lot of interest and a lot of love into it. And, and I really think it's going to be sort of fresh for streaming. Because Genshin was kind of stagnant from what I know. Where it's like the same stream was like, hey, I'm going to grind artifacts. Or hey, I'm going to play the new story quest for an hour and then I'm done. 
and then it's back to grinding Spiral Abyss and doing all these other things. So this is going to add a lot more new content and uh, shoot up the numbers of Genshin Impact Live viewers on Twitch. But I am still impressed. They've, they've had a pretty good amount of viewers the game still so it's definitely a big game it's it's not as big as it was on launch which is pretty much every game so that's come to be expected but i do think they're taking steps in the right direction um and it'll be nice that i'm, I'm kind of getting back into the game now uh sad that i missed ganyu because that character is actually nuts but oh well so that's it for genshin talk now let's talk about Call of Duty Season 3 Roadmap, bringing Standoff and the G11 back. So, I woke up and I was on Twitter this morning and I saw this. They released sort of this picture and roadmap sort of thing of what to see in Season 3 of, uh, of, of Call of Duty. Now, I think this is going to be a really good season and it's going to have a lot of content in it. So let, let's just dive right into it. So the new multiplayer maps that are going to be available are Yamantau, Diesel, Standoff, and Duga. So Yamantau and Diesel are two new maps. Uh, Diesel is going to be a 2v2 and a 6v6 map, uh, meaning that it's probably going to be a smaller map. Uh, I, I don't know, because, like, obviously the little promo picture can't really see a whole lot. Um, but there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of new gameplay added onto these maps, including Standoff. Standoff's going to be huge. I was talking to my friend, and Standoff's really the only map that we wanted remastered. Because, yeah, Nuketown's fun, Hijacked's fun, you know, Uplink slums those are all fun but we've we've seen iterations of those hijack not really but i mean that's probably going to be coming next but standoff is one of the ones that we all wanted to see and they're bringing it in which is amazing i'm excited to play yamantau and diesel as well and duga is going to be the multi-team map and it's also going to be included in the outbreak zombie region so now there's going to be five regions for outbreak so from the looks of it, this Duga region is going to be something that was teased in that sort of leaked video for the new Warzone map, which makes me kind of wonder if it's actually going to even be, uh, like, uh, Verdansk, because as I was talking about in one of the other episodes, uh, it seemed that the new Warzone map was just going to be Verdansk in the 80s, which, if Duga is this own place, and it says it's in the Ural Mountains, which is where a lot of Cold War stuff takes place, then I think it's pretty possible that we could see a new map. I'm obviously not hedging any bets or anything, but I'm still just going to be listening. But the new multi-team map, of course, seems pretty interesting. There's going to be new multiplayer modes. They're bringing back Sticks and Stones, and they have multi-team elimination, which the icon has people parachuting in. So it's probably going to be sort of like a fire team ish sort of thing. Uh, they have a new score streak, which is the uh, the strafe run. Uh, I think it's just kind of going to be like a precision airstrike, it looks like, but maybe multiple planes. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, the Warzone map update, which there's nothing else released for that. And the Warzone event, the Hunt for Adler, should be fun. And then with Zombies, 
they're going to be adding Duga as an outbreak region. I saw some people on Twitter, I mean, everyone complains on Twitter, but I saw some people on Twitter complaining about the outbreak region, meaning that they wanted a new map, as opposed to just a new map for outbreak, because I see it, because if you don't like outbreak, then you're probably not going to experience this map, really. So I think that there would be a lot of benefit to kind of just having all the maps be separate in a way. Uh, but for those of us that do like Outbreak, I think this is going to be really fun. It'll toss in another rotation to the mix instead of just going to the same three maps. That'll be fun. Then they're adding in a new field upgrade called Toxic Growth. From the description that I was reading earlier, it basically is going to spawn in these toxic thorns in front of enemies. And it'll slow them down. So, I don't know how much this is going to play into the meta, but obviously there's going to be more things, like when you upgrade them to Tier 5, it's going to unlock something probably ridiculous, where it's like it'll deal explosive damage or something crazy, who knows. Uh, this could be fun. New vehicles for Outbreak, they're going to be adding in a cargo truck and an FAV, which is like a smaller dune buggy-ish sort of thing. Uh, and there's going to be new Outbreak intel. Now... One of the big ones that I want to talk about is the weapons and operators. So they're adding in six new weapons into this update. They're adding in the PPSH-41. They're adding in the Swiss K-31. Ballistic Knife. They're bringing in the Car.2. The, the Carve.2. AMP-63 and the Baseball Bat. So the, the PPSH-41... I believe is a uh, is like a tactical rifle. I believe um, the Swiss is a sniper. The ballistic knife. I mean, everyone knows what the ballistic knife is. It's a, it's a knife that you can shoot. Uh, the Carve Dot Two is the G11 from Black Ops One, a uh, a gun that I didn't really think would make a comeback, but here we are. But it's obviously a more modern version. It looks like, uh, and there was a little promo picture on, on the website where it's got this enormous, like, barrel or suppressor or something on it. It's seriously, like, the same length of the gun, just added on. It's insane. It looks so much fun. But it's obviously going to be a slower three-round burst gun, uh, possibly contesting with the AUG and the M16 for Warzone. The AMP-63 is going to be, like, a hybrid pistol and SMG sort of thing. And then the baseball bat is going to be just a melee weapon that'll be fun. Uh, the new operators, they're going to be Knight, Wraith, Captain Price, and Antonov. Wraith, I think, is funny because it's the name of a Apex Legends legend, if I'm remembering correctly. But these operators do look pretty cool. But Captain Price coming into Cold War, I think that's a, I think that's a very interesting move, and I definitely didn't expect that. Uh, and there's going to be other things. There's going to be a mid-season event. There's going to be new prestige levels. Uh, and there, there's just going to be a lot with this season. And I think it's going to be very good. I think the big kicker is how the Warzone map's going to be. Because if they come out with a new map, if they come out with a new map, then I think it's going to be a lot better. If they just do Verdansk in the 80s, I think it's going to be less well-received. Um, just in general. But I do think for the multiplayer aspect, I think it's going to be very good for Cold War. Th four new maps... Two new game modes, a new score streak, six new weapons. That's crazy. Uh, it said the Ballistic Knife is going to be uh, Warzone in season, so I don't know if it's going to be Warzone specific. I doubt you'll probably be able to use it in Cold War. 
But I think that's awesome. Uh, they also released an update for Warzone uh, yesterday, or I think it was this morning actually, or something, uh, where they nerfed the uh, the new Psykov pistol that got added. Yeah, they added a new pistol just a week ago, and it's a modern warfare gun, and it's absolutely bonkers. It's absolutely insane. Uh, it can akimbo, fully auto, eighty round mags. It's absolutely dumb, but. They did nerf it. They nerfed the uh, the damage with the 80-round mags when it's akimboed by 25%, <laughs> which is... That's crazy. Like, that, that's a really good nerf. Um, but anyway, that's kind of that's kind of where they're at with it, uh, and they, they changed some things. They're going to be changing some things with the Rose skin from what, from what I remember reading. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, you, might, you might see some new skins kind of being thrown into the mix. Uh, but regardless, that about does it for the discussion of Call of Duty Season 3. This is kind of just the roadmap that was released. I'm excited to see more of what they're going to talk about and what they're going to release because I think Season 3 is going to be really good because I've been enjoying Cold War and Warzone a lot recently. Um, Warzone, I've been playing a lot of solos. Haven't been able to clutch out a dub yet, but I've gotten within the top five a few times. Uh, and it's it's been going a lot of fun. I've really been enjoying it. Uh, and I think that with the the new guns, it's going to add a lot to the game. We could see a, a carve. We could see like a, a carve and AMP sixty three run. I don't know. The carve I think is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to use that gun because I loved using the G eleven because it was so dumb in Black Ops one. So uh, certainly, certainly excited to be able to use that in Cold War. So that'll cover the news this week for the gaming industry. Uh, so next, I'm going to be doing a slight rant or rave, like rant or rave part, what to expect from a new game, because they announced Oxenfree 2 during the Nintendo Indie World. I was really excited. I was contemplating recording myself, um doing the Nintendo Indie World, because I was like, hey, I can make a YouTube video out of it. Why not? That should be fun. But then I was like, eh, it's really... I think it's going to be really early in the morning, if I remember correctly. It was, like, really early in the morning, and I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, I don't remember if it, if, it, if it was, but regardless, I just didn't really want to record it, because I was like, eh, I don't really want to do that. There's probably not going to be anything huge that I'm going to like, uh, and I was correct. Like there were some things that looked really cool. Like I was definitely, you know, happy for the indie developers and some of the games looked fun, but nothing that like overly made me go, wow, I really want to play that. Um, until Oxen Free 2 was announced at the very end. I could not believe it because I was a huge fan of Oxen Free, the first game. Uh, it was, it's still one of my favorite games of all time. Like I have replayed that game like eight to ten times. Uh, it's so much fun to play, and it's a very short game, but there's so many different endings. Uh, but anyway, the first part that I'm going to be talking about is the sort of rant or rave for Oxenfree to set up uh, the discussion of what to expect or what we can see from Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals. So first off... I don't think I've ever talked about it on this podcast, uh, but Oxenfree is one of my favorite games ever. Uh, in case you were unaware, it's a dialogue-based supernatural teen adventure game. That's the way I'm. That's that's how I'm gonna dub the game. 
Uh, it deals with characters journeying to the mysterious Edwards Island for a sort of fun getaway weekend. But unfortunately, they open up a temporal rift with radio frequencies that cause supernatural events to take place uh, on the island that affect Alex, the main character, and her friends. So basically, she goes with her new stepbrother, Jonas, and she goes with her best friend from childhood, Ren, and they go and they meet up with two other people, Clarissa and Nona. Nona is someone that Ren has a crush on and kind of wanted to bring her along and have some fun. And they go there to kind of hang out, have a good time, explore. But Ren also heard about a mystery where if you turn into radio frequencies, you'll hear some very weird noises. So they wanted to test that out. And sure enough, they do. And they just cause a bunch of ghosts to go haywire. So the ghosts they encounter are the souls of people who had died on the USS Kanaloa, um, who wish to take over the bodies of the main cast and walk the earth again uh, because they had their lives cut short so they feel that they should do this so they can sort of relive being on earth and being in a body again again kind of creepy but it's that's the whole theme it's supposed to be like a an adventure thriller ish sort of thing and this game is amazing i, I love this game so much uh the characters are amazing the characters are great uh, they have a lot of emotion with them. They have great acting. They have, you know, reasonable dialogue. They have reasonable actions. Uh, and they don't really feel kind of... They don't feel contrived, I guess you could put it. The only character I wish we would have gotten more from is Nona. Because her kind of whole character thing was that she's Ren's love interest. Which isn't inherently bad, but like I wish they would have given us more to her. Because Alex, of course, is a very well-written character. Her dynamic with Jonas and Jonas is sort of like, uh, like preconceived personality, uh, and like the way that he views the world is challenged when he meets Ren and he meets uh, Alex, and they kind of hang out. Uh, Ren, of course, is kind of in like a, an interesting spot because Alex is trying to take sides of Jonas to bring him into the family. But then Ren's sort of getting a little jealous because he he feels that Alex cares more for Jonas than she does she does Ren. Uh, Clarissa, of course, has like beef with Alex due to uh, her dating because um, Clarissa dated Alex's older brother Michael. And there's a whole dynamic between these characters, and it plays out really really well. Um, and there's a lot of different endings to the game, which I think is one of the biggest attractions to it. Uh, there are different romance slash friendship options. Uh, at the end of the game, they show you like a little picture of the characters and you can tell which ending you got by how the characters are standing next to each other, how their facial expressions are, if they're holding each other and, and whatnot. So I got the quote unquote best ending where, uh, Jonas and Alex are like happy, you know, stepbrother, stepsister sort of relationship where, you know, they love each other, they understand, they accept each other's into their own family. Um, Ren and Nona end up together. They end up, like, as a happy couple and going on a date. And then uh, Clarissa is there with Michael because Michael, Alex's older brother, died. But there's a way that, like, because the whole game focuses on, like, a time loop. So you can essentially go back in time in a way and you can save Michael from ever, like, 
drowning. And it's very interesting. So, like, Clarissa and Michael are all together, and Clarissa's really happy, and she's just in a better position and actually likes Alex, because she blamed Alex for Michael's death. Um, so that's, like, the best ending, and I actually took a screenshot of that little photo that was there, and that's my Xbox background picture. And I love the ending so much. Um, but there's a lot of different endings. Like, there's a, there's an ending where Clarissa can actually die, um... There's an ending where uh, Nona and Ren aren't together. There's a there's a um, an ending where Nona, sorry, not Nona, where Jonas and Alex don't actually like each other at all. So there's a bunch of different endings that you can do, and you can pretty much do any combination of them. Like you can be best friends with Jonas, and Ren and Nona aren't together, or Ren and Nona can be together, and Clarissa's alive. There's so many different combinations that you can do. I didn't get every ending. I, I, I did not. I just got the endings that I wanted to get that I thought were interesting. Uh, and one of my favorites is there's there, there's uh, there's two different endings that I just I love for the game. There's one where you end the time loop uh, because you obviously communicate a lot through radio and frequencies and whatnot. And at the beginning of the game, you tune into a radio frequency uh, for the like your school's radio where there's like a special little or there's like a special little like announcement sort of thing. But during your first playthrough, you can like talk through a thing and you can say to Alex as Alex, don't come to the Island, you know, like stay away. And then you can tune into that radio frequency when you go to like replay the game and you'll, you'll start. Cause when you start the game, you start on the ship going out to Edwards Island. But on that new playthrough, you start the game, uh, you, you start the game, um, like, in front of this, uh, like, gas station before you actually go onto the ferry. And if you turn into the radio station, then you can say, yeah, let's not go to the island. And then that's technically, like, a true ending. So it's like you can technically beat the game in two minutes. It's ridiculous. It's so cool. And then the other ending is where you don't talk at all. Like, you don't choose any dialogue. The only time you talk are when the game just makes you talk. But there, there's an option where you just don't talk to anyone. You don't choose one of the dialogue options. And that's sick. I mean, how many games can you say you've played where you actually have an option to not talk? You know, I'm not saying it's it's completely unique to Oxenfree, but that's a really cool idea. Um, but regardless, the game in itself is very enjoyable. It's very fun. It, it's a cheap game too. Like it's it's usually it, it's twenty bucks at max price, and it's usually on discount. Um, and you can you can genuinely beat the game on your first playthrough in like six to eight hours. It's very quick and very easy to play. Um, there are jump scares in the game. Like when you start a new game plus, you can hear radio frequencies from the previous game, like your previous like playthrough, which is sick. And you can also uh, like get a bunch of these random jump scares that just like freak you the heck out. Um, it has great acting. It has great options for playthroughs. Great lovable characters uh, that just make the game and the, the the situation just so much more enjoyable uh, to play and to watch. So briefly, I'm going to talk about uh, what we can see and what we know about Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals. So this game is going to deal with uh, Kamina. Um I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, Kamina is the new area where you're going to explore. And it's right near Edwards Island. 
Uh, but it doesn't take place on Edwards Island. It's, it's a new separate place. But there are freaky supernatural things that occur. Um, it'll tell a new story with a new set of characters. It takes place five years after Oxenfree, and it stars a character named Riley, uh, who returns to her hometown of Kamina, right near Edwards Island, and discovers supernatural occurrences. That's pretty much all we know about the game thus far. Nothing more has been released, and I'm kind of glad because it leads for some more speculation. So, what to expect slash what we can see from this game. So, what, like the first scene they show you is like this group of three people wearing masks near a campfire, and they looks like they've carved symbols into the sand on the beach. Uh, these could be possible antagonists. Because they definitely don't look like they're just kind of chill high school people that you'll be friends with. Um, a possible theory that I'm running with is that they are uh, possessed bodies that the ghosts from Edwards Island were able to possess. And I think that could play into the game really well and sort of tie it together with the first game and the idea of what the ghosts were trying to do. I don't know what their motives are going to be, but they are staring... Somebody who's good at symbology could probably look up those symbols and say what they mean. Um, obviously, I don't even know where to start looking for that, but I think that could be interesting. Uh, will we see characters from the previous game is another question to ask. I don't think so. Mostly because the characters were, like, they specifically said they don't want to go back to Edwards Island again, so I don't know why they would go near the island again. I really don't. Um... Unless, like, a character moved there, which I don't think would necessarily be reasonable. Uh, they'll definitely probably, they'll definitely do references to them. Like, with, oh, wait, didn't this same thing happen to a group, like, a while ago? You know, just by the, the grapevine discussion. Uh, which could be possible. But I don't think they're gonna really bring in previous characters. I don't think that's what they're gonna try to do. Uh, and the next thing we can expect from this game is uh, a lot of jump scares. A lot of exploration, different endings, and comedic moments, because those are really the the bread and butter of what made Oxenfree such a good and enjoyable game uh, for people to play through. I have a feeling it's probably going to be a little bit longer, um, just because with the advances of the the budget that Night School Studios have, especially after they launched After Party, which was another successful and a lot of fun game. Very different vibe from Oxenfree, but... It definitely had its own charm to it. Um, and I, I do believe it was a little bit of a longer game than Oxenfree. But I think I think this game could be a little bit longer and have a little bit more of a sort of convoluted plot line with like time loops and, and frequencies and supernatural things, which I think could be sick. Uh, jump scares, definitely. I feel like there's going to be a lot more in them. Uh, just because, why not? Um, exploration is probably going to have a very similar atmosphere to Edwards Island because it's so close to it. Um, but the exploration paired with like the soundtrack and overall exploration, I think is going to be great. It's going to very much set the, the mood. I don't know if Scientific's going to do the music for this one as well. I, I hope they are because I loved their soundtrack for Oxenfree. Um, so that's probably going to hearken to the original game. Different endings is, I want to say it's like pretty much certain they're going to have that just because of the type of studio that Night School is with Oxenfree and After Party where there's different endings. Uh, and then comedic moments. There's just going to be some really funny teen moments where they're just going to say something that's cringe and then the other person's going to say, yo, that's cringe. 
I think they're going to play a lot with that. And especially if it takes place now, they're probably going to use a lot of modern terminology and a lot of modern slang and things that are just common with the youth nowadays and just throw them into the game. And I think it's going to be great. Um, it's, it's definitely going to feel like it's five years after Oxenfree, which is something I cannot wait for. Overall, if you are thinking about playing Oxenfree 2, I highly suggest it and definitely get your hands on Oxenfree, the first game. It's just called Oxenfree. Um, it's on the Switch. It's probably discounted right now. I don't know. You can buy it pretty much everywhere. Uh, I know it was at some point. I don't know if it still is, but it was included in the Xbox Game Pass. That's how I played it. Um, and it's a great game. So I highly recommend uh, picking up the first game. Um, it, you'll be able to play through it, enjoy it. And then the second game is going to come out sometime this year. Don't know the exact date, but I will certainly be talking about it when it comes out. And I will most likely be either streaming it or recording it and putting it up as a YouTube video on my channel. So go check me out at Argon Games if you want to take part in that. That's going to be all for this episode today. Thank you all for stopping by. There was a lot to cover and a lot to talk about in this episode. So thank you for stopping by. Hopefully it was enjoyable. Go check me out on TikTok at It's Argon Games. Help me reach that 10,000 follower mark. Then I could probably do something special for y'all. Uh, go check me out on YouTube, as I had said, at Argon Games, with the space between Argon and Games. I'll be doing a lot more stuff on there. So thank you all for watching, and have a great rest of your day.